You ever seen um, The Machine Stops? (laughs) (laughs) All these people in their little bubbles (laughs) existing. There we go. Welcome, one and all, to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Making today's edition has been a little more complicated than usual because at the time of recording the nation is spiralling towards another lockdown and my recent studio days have been restricted by having other things afoot, like hopping and skipping into roving reporter mode to talk to all those lovely people who've been popping up in recent editions, and also because of international news events meaning the guy with the keys to the vault we park our Fab Radio TARDIS in needed a a lie-in, and I've lost my sonic screwdriver somewhere behind the sofa. I'm not going down there. It's far too scary. Anyway, despite this exile to Earth, Sandy McGregor and I attempted our usual get-together to natter about old television by the excitingly modern options that new technological innovations like the Teflon have made possible, and we managed to do it so effectively that at least one of us might decide that they never need to leave the house again. So, hopefully... This will seem like a perfectly normal edition of Vision on Sound, although you'll have to work out for yourselves which one of us didn't even bother to change out of their pyjamas. Oh, do be quiet, Adric. Anyway, now Mr Foreman has turned up with the keys, let's crank up those well-rested time engines and head back a few weeks. So, where have we landed this time? Well, a pessimist might suggest that we've ended up in a world inspired by a short story by E.M. Forster, written over a century ago. In The Machine Stops, human beings are all living in isolation in small underground cubicle rooms, and their only human contact is through the machine, and it does sometimes seem like a very prescient foretelling of lives without much actual human contact lived through staring at screens that seemed to be becoming the norm even before we all locked ourselves away because of the spread of a virus. The Machine Stops was adapted for television for the BBC in 1966 as part of their science fiction anthology series, Out of the Unknown, produced, at least at first, by a protégé of Sidney Newman called Irene Shubik as a kind of science fiction equivalent of armchair theatre. And The Machine Stops is, happily, one of the episodes that actually survived the videotape purge of the following decade. Four series were made, the first in 1965 and the last made in colour, of which about half survive, was broadcast in 1971. Perhaps surprisingly, the most preserved series is the first, with ten of the twelve stories surviving. The third series, made in 1969, fares worst, with only a few fragments remaining, so if you do happen to find one down the back of your sofa, do let someone know. As ever, with visions of the future, several of them do seem rather dated now, but the strength of the stories continue to shine through despite any shortcomings in the actual look of them. 
First broadcast in October 1966, The Machine Stops opens the second series and is one of only four survivors from the 13 made that year. It was adapted by Keith Cavender and Clive Donner and directed by Philip Savile and starred Yvonne Mitchell and Michael Gothard and would probably sit very well amongst our dystopian TV choices for the next time we get around to nattering about those again. An optimist, of course, and I like to think that we at least try to conjure up a little optimism from time to time here on Vision on Sound, no matter what the others might say. An optimist might suggest that people in boxes with edges that light up is far more reminiscent of Celebrity Squares, the weekend big box game hosted by Bob Monkhouse between 1975 and 1979, and for a further three series in the mid-90s. Celebrity Squares was an adaptation of America's Hollywood Squares, of course, but our version seemed far more down-to-earth, was amazingly popular, and definitely raised the profile of certain celebrities like Willie Rushton and Pat Coombs to the level of national treasure status. There has been a revival, by the way, featuring Warwick Davis, which ran for a couple of years during the last decade. Meanwhile, back in sunny old Manchesterford, through the medium of little rectangles in your preferred social media platform of choice, Sandy's back and looking suitably blurry as he wrangles the intricacies of juggling laptops and connections and recording equipment to bring us this week's latest conversations about the weird world of television. Uh, anyway, hello Sandy! <laughs> hello Martin. What's happening Martin? Well, indeed, Sandy, what is happening? I wish I wish I knew. I'll tell you what, I've been gadding about. Oh, whereabouts? Well, I've not been gadding about. I've been gadding about sort of in the audio world. In the audio right, world. okay. I've, I've kind of been uh, I've kind of been talking to people. Right. We're now clocking up loads and loads of chat about all sorts of things, most of which are the same thing. But, yeah. Familiarity is a good thing. It is indeed, yeah. So, uh, again, another week has gone by and I've watched hardly any telly, which is great when you're doing a programme all about telly. So I'm hoping you've watched something. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, the old TV has been uh, churning away. Yes, we're, uh, oh, excellent. going through box sets at a, a reasonable uh, a reasonable mm. rate. So we had, we've been watching Roadkill. Oh, tell me about Roadkill. The new David here, it's about an unscrupulous conservative politician. Okay. And his, not many of them about. Not many, no. Played by uh, Bertie Wooster. Ah. Or House or Hugh Laurie. Oh, or yes. Whatever you want, uh, you want to call Hugh, him. dear Hugh. Dear, dear Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Goes uh, back to our episode on, on politics a few weeks ago. So this is like yeah. the new new generation of polit- political television. Yeah. So he's, uh, and yes, it is, it is indeed political Television done from that uh, that master of political drama, David Hare. David Hare mm. has done a lot of uh, kind of stage political, and he's, and mm. I'm I'm never quite as convinced by the stuff he does on TV yeah. these days. I mean, things going back to things like uh, Licking Hitler, which yes. uh, is a, was a play for today, I mm. believe, and was absolutely fantastic. However, it just it was rather uh, roadkill was a bit bit kind of untidy there's just the mm-hmm. uh, you know he's got certain uh threads that go through it that aren't particularly strong and then there's a lot of kind of uh going to say a lot of dangly bits in it things that are just mm-hmm. uh never explained never developed uh left kind of uh hanging about left for the and, sequel 
Yeah, well, uh, so anyway, that's that's what we've been uh, we've, we've been on that one. Have you seen all of it now? Yes, yeah. There's there's four right. episodes. It's all there on all the right. uh, on the iPlayer. On... Is it one of those things where it it kind of drops as they as the kids would have it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the entire series was available immediately. Yes, which is I'm, I'm getting <laughs> I must say I'm getting rather keen on that because you know mm. we're spending kind of a lot of time watching television just now so mm. having access to a series that you can watch in a kind watch of a yeah. close together manner is mm. quite a kind of a quite a kind of a covid-19 way of doing things otherwise you'd be juggling like uh, 18 different series in your brain and try, mm. trying to work out oh, where are we with that one and who, who is this one so it's definitely you know. the new way of watching i mean i have a sort of sneaking nostalgia for the having to wait a week Yes, uh, element of, of of consuming television, um, possibly again. I, I suspect it's more the more the era we grew up in. But uh, yeah. there, there, that sense of anticipation and having to wait, and, and it, it is a kind of. I don't know whether it improves television to be to be sort of devoured like that. I yeah. mean, do you find? I mean, you kind of think, well, why don't you just make one four hour episode then? If you see what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a kind of a. Uh a rhythm to these programs mm. uh, and I think it's one of the things that always bothers me about uh, series written for uh, ITV mm. where they seem to have that that kind of uh, little peak every uh, every kind of 12 minutes or 13 minutes whatever <laughs> it is you know it builds up to a break and then oh yeah. you got to sit Looking there you have to wait that long these yeah, days you, you, you sit there stunned <laughs> you sit there stunned in your seat and uh, uh, find out that you know waiting for it to come back on whereas you know you can have your, your longer television pieces written for non-commercial television mm. have got a kind of a bigger art so they don't need this kind of uh, little kind of free song or whatever you want to call it every every 12 minutes so it's an unusual thing i think you know when you you get used to it because it's on television but when you watch a movie in the cinema obviously there are no breaks you know no and 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 that you do lose i think suddenly you know suddenly adverse for spam or whatever they really do kind of take you out of, you know any any action film or yeah. especially sometimes they seem to drop the adverts sort of arbitrarily sometimes i mean yeah. I, I do remember a long time ago uh, psycho being on channel 4 quite late at night and i remember quite vividly them cutting to a break in the middle of the shower scene <laughs> you know on the, you know the close up on the eye yeah that's mm-hmm. when they cut to the commercial yeah. of course mm-hmm. if you've con- you've consumed a uh, Television in America. I mean, I've consumed it. Uh, very little in America. Yeah, but when you've had the TV on, it's that thing of you don't sometimes even get to the credits before the opening credits before there's been an ad break. You know. So yeah. I've noticed that ad breaks. The the credits seem to be getting later and later and later in, yes. in certain American mm-hmm. shows. You know. Yeah, and then there's also that little uh, that little wrap up that you have at the mm. end of the uh, the program. <laughs> <where>. <laughs> Uh, Freeze frame. The old uh, what's his name, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a kind of a little kind of uh, ninety second summing up of the episode. You know, some little mm. joke or something like that. That obviously before the the, the end titles, 
Mm. That obviously is designed so you can uh, slip another uh, slip another advert in because once the program is finished, you're uh, you're obviously off out of the uh, uh, you'll be flicking onto another channel. But I mean, I I very rarely watch programs live these days. You know, mm. even on uh, BBC, I just mm. kind of don't uh, don't do no, it. No, well, again, it's it's not something people are doing. As a matter of course anymore, that that whole thing of the nation sitting down and watching yeah. a show together is, mm-hmm. is very much the television of the past. Yeah. The the interesting thing to me, I suppose, with it, certainly going back to American television, is is that we used to consume American television on the BBC. Yes. So we used to get the way it was presented to us was very different, if you like, mm-hmm. yeah. to the way it was actually made. So we we would. You would get all of it as one chunk, and you'd get the little tag scene. You'd get, and it was just like that was the way the program was made, you know. So actually, to see it in in its original context is very, very yeah. peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched uh, television in Australia. I spent you know, oh yeah, a couple of months in Australia back in the uh, the early nineties, mm. and the number of adverts they had just destroyed any continuity you wanted with the program you know i think they were they were more than 10 minutes an hour of adverts the one peculiar one i think from when we when we were growing up was star trek because the bbc showed star trek but they didn't there was always an opening cold open scene mm-hmm. before the credits but the bbc always showed the credits first you know? yeah <laughs> so you got this this kind of when they when you suddenly bought got the DVDs or they started showing them in their original format, it was the yeah. wrong way around and uh, right. the whole generation had grown up going, that wasn't the way it was done, but of course that was the way we consumed yeah. it, you know. Yeah, that, that, that scene where you get introduced to the person who's going to die. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the one, the, the one that everyone knows and that you've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this isn't going to be a good, uh, a good scenario. No. Have I, I ever told you my, my Star Trek dream that I, I dreamt I was in Star Trek as a child. <laughs> I mean, this, 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 do, this, do tell. This, this is going back to, you know, I would have been less than 10 because, you know, I loved Star Trek at that age. Mm-hmm. And I dreamt I was in Star Trek. Wow. And, you know, we went down to the, beamed down to the, uh, the cardboard uh, papi mashi <laughs> set. How very dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I was the wastee. Because you know, oh. I, I was a character that no, nobody had met before. <laughs> oh, sorry, damn none it's of the, me! None of the viewers had met before, and it, it was me. And the bizarre thing is, you know how there's this thing about recurring dreams that you have. Mm. I dreamt it again. Oh. <laughs> I dreamt to repeat, but oh. this one went very how, strange. How old would you have been then? Yeah, I'd, I'd be less. I'd be less than ten. Wow. So so you've managed to stagger through a further 50 years without being bumped off before the end and, credits. And, Cap- pretty- and Captain Kirk told me on the repeat to go behind the rock. And I went, no, <laughs> I'm not going behind there because I know what's going to happen if I go behind there. <laughs> and then I think I woke myself up. You, you talked back to Captain back, Kirk. Yeah. That's always the thing that gets me about the plot of Star Trek V. Where, where the Enterprise goes off to see God. Mm. The one that uh, William Shatner directed. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole thing. My summation of that film is just basically the Starship Enterprise goes to meet God and Captain Kirk answers God back. (laughs) 
No, you're wrong, God. I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> So um so that's when you woke up. Yes. And what was behind the rocks then? <laughs> <laughs> well it was it was it, it was some kind of alien that ate me, you know. Oh. Right. So that's uh I think it's Sylvester McCoy uh, talks about being very fond of that rock. It was on every week he said <laughs> it was a pulse. <laughs> he be- he became very fond of that rock, I remember yeah. that in an interview. <laughs> uh, so, But to, to think about American, uh, I, I we've uh, also been rewatching uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Basically, Brooklyn Nine Nine is on a permanent loop, yeah. And every single time we end up watching it. Now, you've got Andre Brower from Homicide mm-hmm. playing a comedy yeah. role. They did a great one the other day because he was basically reenacted the box, <laughs> which you'll remember from Homicide. Yeah. But uh, what gets me is sometimes I'm watching these, and you know these shows are only 22 minutes. There's only 22 minutes, and you've got seven or eight lead characters, you know? Yeah. And yet sometimes you sit there going, well, we've had the commercial. It's You know, we've had the halfway point. And I know this episode so well. And yet there's so, how are they going to get the rest of all that plot? Yeah. I'm amazed by the storytelling, the speed. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed how much goes on in the average episode of MASH Yeah. for the same mm-hmm. reason. You sit there going, you've got 22 minutes. You've got eight, nine leads. They've all got something to yeah. do. How do you make this into an interesting... And they do it every week, yeah. and it is astonishing. I mean, 22 minutes is an astonishing amount of time to tell any story, yeah. especially the way we ramble yeah. on. I mean, we ramble on for 50 minutes about <laughs> any old nonsense, and, and nothing much no. happens. You know? And yet there they are, telling these taut, delightful, brilliant yeah. pieces of, of, of drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, all over in... Like I say, twenty-two. And so they've all, and they've all, I mean, when you think about, what was it? Um, what was that sitcom a few years ago? The Big Bang Theory. Right. Oh, I've never, never watched the Big watch Bang the Theory. Now, never watched the Big Bang Theory. Well, basically, that had four main leads, lots of peripheral characters. Yeah. Then they were all getting paid something like a, a ridiculous amount per episode. <laughs> and you think they've actually each got about sort of ten minutes of screen. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. overlapping. Te- but they've got about two and a half minutes of dialogue yeah. for them. Hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was, you know. It's the same when Friends was on. Yeah. It was the same kind of thing. Yeah, there was. A, I was. I was reading an interesting article uh, the other day about why why things are getting bigger than they used to be. Like films mm. are now getting to be uh, regularly two and a half, three hours, and books mm. are getting to be you know five, six hundred pages. Bricks. Yeah. Yeah. TV. That hasn't happened with. Mm. When you think on it, you know mm. your your kind of uh, your programs are still no longer than an hour, half hour, or yeah. an hour. There's that yeah. kind of maybe two hours at a pinch. Yeah, but there's you know, so you have to have a certain rhythm that kind of mm. uh, that goes with it. So it's the, the the one difference is like a lot the number of things where the entire plot is resolved in. 45, 50 minutes, which is the mm. kind of the standard way when we were watching mm. things in the kind of the 70s and 80s. That that was the way it was. Mm. It was, a, you know, an episode of the Sweeney or Minder mm. or these kind of things. Bergerac, you know, shoestring, mm. whatever. You were the kind of mm. an entire story told in 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Mm. Whereas now, 
that kind of standalone episode of a series doesn't seem to exist anymore. We're far more no, into the get, kind of you get more the the arc yes. seems to have become yeah you know so they assume that you've got regular viewers who who will come back next yeah. week. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's also a way of enticing you to come back next week, yeah. I suppose. You know, it's, um, so, but yeah, so they... I don't know. I mean, the, I think the interesting thing, though, about that, really, is that, I mean, if you want... If, do you know, I mean, you're, I mean I'm, I'm even too young for this, but The the Fugitive ran for five seasons. Right, yeah. In, in the uh, 60s. Yeah. And basically, you know, Dr. Richard Kibble, it was basically the same as The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Know? He'd, he'd go into a town, you know, no one knew who he was, he'd solve a problem, and and Gerard would be mm-hmm. after him, and he would sort of scuttle off in the you know, someone would help him get away, or whatever. Yeah. And that went on for five seasons. Mm-hmm. The Fugitive movie resolves it all in two <laughs> hours. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then the funny thing is, though, I, I think actually that television is feeding into cinema, because I mean, people have got used to things like Game of Thrones, you know, Having these long five-year stories, yeah. mm-hmm. so I think suddenly a, a two-hour movie can seem rather light yeah. in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it does cut both ways because uh, mm-hmm. you know I remember going to see Westworld. As oh a, yes, as a child or yeah, you know, as a spotty yeah, teen. Yeah, a teenager. I'd have been a teenager when that one came out, and now it's turned into you know we're on we're on series three of it on on right. Sky, and it, it just seems to go on forever. You know, to the to the point at which it's just become boring. You know, do you actually get to the point with any of the? I I find that we rewatched Millennium. Mm-hmm. I know I keep harping on about Millennium, but it had, it had three seasons, um, and it just felt actually about right in terms of the length. You know, yeah, it felt we when we rewatched it, we didn't feel like we'd forgotten episode no. one. You know. But but the, that came from the same stable as the X Files, and the X Files, by the by the time series five or six came along, and you were supposed to remember, oh, these aliens are doing this, but this conspiracy is doing that, and mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's just. But the thing is that that's going off the assumption that certain types of viewer mm-hmm. really like that, yeah. and they really want to know the minutiae. Yeah. But I think what sometimes happens is that that if you start writing for the people who like the minutiae. The casual viewer yeah. mm-hmm. kind of loses track, and they just go, "Oh, I don't watch that anymore. It's too complicated yeah. for me." You know, mm-hmm. I, I lost track of it years ago. I can't remember which which faction is against which faction yeah. anymore. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a very fine line. Yes, know? yeah. I suppose well, in in the past we would you know you you'd watch the series over you know mm. six eight ten weeks or whatever. And then there might be another series in a year's time. And that's mm. so your ability to remember what happened in episode one of mm. series one uh, mm. when you're watching two years later at the early end of series three. <laughs> it's just like, no, you can't do it. But now, yeah, somebody might sit down there and watch three series over the course of a week. You know, that's going to. So. What was the name of the. Um... The people who used to post out the DVDs to you. Uh, Love Film, yes. Love Film, mm-hmm. Love Film, yeah. And uh, Love Film, they uh, we that's the way we consumed The Wire. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't buy The Wire, but we, we got... And it was sometimes, because they didn't necessarily automatically send you the next disc, yeah. mm-hmm. 
you it might be you'd you'd have had three or four weeks of films yeah. that were not the mm-hmm. wire and then suddenly another disc of the wire would turn yeah. up and you'd be thinking where the <laughs> heck were we with this this is the problem we had when we rewatched fringe a few weeks ago when we watched fringe this time we watched it off the box yeah. sets all the way mm-hmm. through when we were watching fringe when fringe was was out i bought my partner i bought her the fifth, the final series as a Christmas yeah. present, and we and we sort of you know Boxing Day, you know, put the discs in because we 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 really enjoyed Fringe and and we're thinking I don't remember any of it. And we when we were rewatching it, we actually got to the point where we thought we know we had it on Love Film yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. We're not even sure they sent us all the discs <laughs> because we were like, when did this? When did all this happen? Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it was a when I, when we actually watched this, it was a, it was a good six, eight, ten months maybe more than a year since we'd watched the the previous series and we you know we'd lost track completely and that's the interesting thing about series television coming on i mean you were talking about veep weren't you the other day you know and and veep i used to get a a box set a year Mm -hmm. of veep you know but but you would actually have to watch the end of the last box set to Mm -hmm. make sure you knew where the plot was you know I don't know whether it's just that I'm a bit dim and I don't know stuff but uh, yeah I mean veep's one I've actually watched when it was on, so I'm mm. used to an episode a week of that, and that mm. kind of it, it worked well that way because it is that kind of. I'm thinking I may have to start doing a previously on vision on sound because <laughs> <laughs> I've lost track what we talked about, yeah. and of course sometimes the way the jigsaw puzzle comes together, yeah. there's bits that I recorded six weeks ago on the same episode as you and me nattering <laughs> now. So that's, but hey. Timey wimey, we yeah. don't worry about it. You know, we just keep keep yeah. on plodding away and hope people are listening. <laughs> so yeah, th- thank you for introducing me to that uh, the, the Facebook group that you're. Uh, uh, that you're oh, in. well, yes, yeah, it's a bit exclusive at the moment, but uh, I, basically, I, when people have appeared, I, I I drop them in. It's just it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought I was reading about the uh, that Spanish film the, about the phone box. Oh yes, the cabina. Which I've never, I've don't oh. think I've ever really known what it was called. It's about a guy who gets mm. stuck in a phone box. Mm. Now, who directed it? It's it's somebody quite famous, oh, isn't it? I don't know. Or is it? Or it's, it's either someone who's in it who's quite yeah. famous, or it's just it crops up from time to time. Yeah, it's it's on YouTube, so I might have to try uh, try my better half on it tonight. It's, it's really because I've been accumulating some silent classics this week, which completely nothing to do with television no. at all. But uh, but uh, I, I finally acquired my copy of Nosferatu. <sighs> Very good. Uh, which is, uh, and I also, uh, at the same time, because it was some sort of deal, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, with uh, Lon Chaney. Mm, yeah. The, uh, but there's a very nice, there's a nice BFI set, which is, um, it also has a very scratchy copy of the 1925 cut. Because mm-hmm. this is the 1929 right. cut. Right, yeah. But there's a, there's a, there, for some reason, there's some stuff that didn't, didn't survive the four years, yeah. you know. The rest of it survived a good ninety mm-hmm. years, you know. But, well, when you talk about archiving, you know, it's amazing sometimes how much stuff from that era survived yes. at all. Yeah. But some of my conversations uh, I've been having, I've, I've still been trying to sort of rake in people uh, who will yeah. actually talk about their memories of television because everybody's yeah. uh, memories are unique, mm-hmm. you know. So I've been sort of just chatting to various people about that this week. Yeah. Still, still a lot of them, you know, still a lot of men. I re- we really do need to get this more diverse <laughs> somehow, you know. <laughs> just 
Yeah. I'm not sure how and I'm not sure why, but because if, you know, you, the problem is I think you get people who, they'll, you know, you, you, you want thing that's appeals, but what will appeal to people is if you, if you see people who are like, yeah. you know, of a similar mm-hmm. sort of, sort of mindset to you, you know, and of course, you know, lots of, lots of blokes sitting around talking about old tellies. <laughs> you want, you want it to be a bit more broad spectrum. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure how that's going to happen, but something will come yep. together, you know, mm-hmm. eventually. Yep, that's it. Yeah, Tim would be a good guy to get him on if we can get him on to talk about the mm. prisoner. Oh yes, now you said you'd. Uh, this is this is part of what I was yeah. going to sort of ask you about. You said you'd been in touch with some people. Yeah, just Tim. Tim so far, he, he's a mate from uh, mm-hmm. from Lancaster, and he uh, is a massive, massive prisoner fan. Uh, so he goes to. So, so we really must. We must do it. We must talk about the prisoner fairly yeah. soon. We could. So, Are you, do you remember it? No, that's it. I just don't. It was never. Yeah, I have a. I have a very good friend when I was at, at school. Who I used to. We used to sort of. Yeah. You know, we lived nearby, so we'd end up on the same bus. So we'd end up nattering, mm-hmm. you know, walking down the street until he went to his house, and I went to my house. Yeah. And he was. I mean, this was when we were about nine or ten. Yeah. What we weren't. And he was saying, oh, yeah, I've been watching The Prisoner. My brother told me all about The Prisoner. I've been watching it. And I'm going, what's the... And it was on at stupid o'clock at night, far past my bedtime. Right. And yeah. it was, that was in the times before we had like portable tellies in the bedroom yeah. or anything like that. It was, you know, and I'd never heard of it. And then, of course, when it when I got a bit older, f- fabulous, fabulous. I mean, it's only there are only 17 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Patrick McGoon's not even available for at least three of them. <laughs> Because he's off filming Ice Station yeah. Zebra with Rock Hudson. So, you know? so, so when was it on originally? Originally, sixty-seven. 67. Okay, so that's yeah. why I didn't see it in sixty-seven because I was, mm. uh, I would have been five. <laughs> mm. It's uh, some people consider it to be a, a sequel to The Danger Man, yeah. and the character mm. is very similar. And some people will have it that it is, it is John Drake, and some people. Mm. Uh, Will say no, no, no. That's just a coincidence. So, so yeah. Uh, but obviously, S- Spy gets <laughs> kidnapped because he's tried to. I want to resign. <laughs> you know, you know, start slamming the desk yeah. and all that kind of thing, and uh, it goes home and uh, it Hearst pulls up. Mm. Next thing you know, he's in Port Mirian. Yes, but we don't know <laughs> that. Yeah, apparently in the last well, in the last episode, they have to they put a caption up thanking everybody at Port Mirian because. In in the it was weirdly less well known. It was kind of like yeah. a, a nook, you know, a, a North Welsh nook, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, they obviously for the entire duration wanted it to be a bit exotic and a bit, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, uh, seemed to be a bit mysterious. And and of course, it is a quite. A, I mean, is it William yes. Ellis? Wasn't yes, it, that's built right. Um, and if you want to give me a quick quick bit of background on that, <laughs> but it was it was a. It was kind of like a Italian style. Ita- it- it- Italianite Italian village. It's always referred to Italianite. Yes. So just on the edge of uh, Port Maddock. So hmm. when you're uh, when you're there, do visit Cobb Records in Port Maddock, which is a wonderful oh, place okay. for uh, your uh, your old vinyl and uh, CDs and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you go across the bridge. I think, uh, I think last time we went there, we bought pans. Right. There we go. Yeah. Different lives. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I had to put that. I did have to. When we, the first time we went, we went. Uh, we went twice in about two years because we were staying in the same place. And the first time, I had I had the CD with the sound with the theme music, yeah. and we had you know, <laughs> had to do that. You know, I had a friend at work years ago who was a, a very big uh, Six of One 
member, you know, the fan yeah. club. Mm-hmm. And he, he actually donated to me at, at some point a whole file full of his old prisoner stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I think he used to go to the, the gatherings. There. Yes, I mean, they're, they're still going strong, so you can have uh, mm-hmm. they, uh, they all turn up and they, they dress up as characters and uh, mm-hmm. reenact scenes from the, uh, uh, from the TV programme. I think the beauty of the prisoner. I mean, the thing was, it there was there was supposed to be at least two series of thirteen, and then for some reason, because everybody got angry with mm-hmm. it, they didn't make the second series. But but Lord Grade, yeah, or or Lou, as he might have been known then. I don't know if there was a lord at that point. Yeah. But anyway, he um uh, he allowed them to make four more to tell the story, or not tell yes. the story, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Uh, and like I say, uh, Patrick McGowan had gone off to make Ice Station Zebra. Yeah. So you had one where, oh, I can't remember the name of the actor, replaced him, you know, and there's a couple where he's just not yeah. in it at all. Mm-hmm. It's the, they find ways around yeah. him, you know. But um, so the second series was supposed to pick up where I think the second to last episode finishes. Right. And, but like I say, it didn't no. happen. So you've only got those 17 episodes yeah. mm-hmm. ever. And I think that in many ways makes it more... Fanable. If you've got yeah. a finite amount of stuff, it's a bit like say original Star Trek because it it had that seventy nine mm-hmm. episode and then it was there in a bubble. Yeah, you could adore it and love it and yeah. analyze it mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I think some shows that go on for twenty years or whatever yeah. or fifteen years, they lose that because they stop. Either they people stop finding them as much fun as they used to be. Yeah, or they just sort of they. Some shows lose their yeah. way; they mm-hmm. genuinely do, and and of course, cast members leave, and sometimes it doesn't feel like the same no. show anyway. But I think that fandom likes a finite yes. quantity. Weirdly, yeah. I think it really does. I think it, it it helps. You don't, you know, you sort of you think, oh, I've got I've got this in my head now. I can wear the outfit, and mm-hmm. suddenly, oh, <laughs> they've changed all the outfits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a there's a kind of similar thing with. Uh, with music as well, if you think on it, if mm. you if you get somebody who dies, then mm. they never grow old. The they never change. Yes. You know, there is a kind of, and it's mm. yeah, it, it's there. That's it. You can, you've got the length of it, the breadth of it, and there's there's all the material there, and you never have to kind of think that uh, oh, is he gonna. You know, is it the comeback album or the comeback tour doesn't happen? You know, or at least not yeah, the same way. And maybe. you know, does that does that spoil your memory of what was there before? So ah, uh, uh, so you well get, again, you, it's the art and the yeah. artist, isn't it? You know, I mean, because obviously, you know, people will say how different lead singers in different rock bands. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's never as good as when such and such mm-hmm. was fronting it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know because I mean, again, with something like Mash, you know, you've got. There are people who will swear blind that it was never as good as the Henry Blake years. No. Mm-hmm. You know, or they'll say that, you know, oh, yes, I quite like Star Trek, you know, but I prefer my captain to be Kirk. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've said that yourself. Yeah. But, um, you know, but then they don't, they, they did at least have consistent casts. Yeah. You know, we, we gave, uh, last night, we gave Bones another go. Right. I don't, I don't know, you know I don't Bones. Know. What's that? No. American uh, series loosely based on the life of Kathy Reichs right. and based around those books. So, you know, mm-hmm. Temperance Brennan and all that 
nice. I mean, we used to watch it years yeah. ago. Lost track of it because it, it was one of those ones that you started watching, then it hopped over to a mm, yeah. satellite mm. or something, you, so you couldn't k- keep up with it. But uh, we, I was just amazed. We, we went back to watch the first episode of that, and there was... I looked it up. There was twelve years of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I was thinking, crikey, you know, I wouldn't have had that one no. down as twelve years. No. But then the other thing that's that struck me this week is that Law and Order Special Victims Unit is still going. Yeah. Which means it has actually become the longest lasting uh, American continuing drama series. Right. I mean, there's obviously The Simpsons as a as a mm-hmm. cartoon series. Has gotten more years on the yeah. clock, but there was always this thing when Law and Order got to year twenty. Oh, was it going to overtake Gunsmoke? Because right. <laughs> Gunsmoke's the yeah. longest lasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finally the spin-off yeah, has lasted lost longer than the original. Yeah. You know, and but that again has has, has managed to have a, a you know the you know leads uh, depart mm-hmm. the series. You know, and and carry on. You yeah. know? But there are some shows where. If you change the cat, I don't think uh, CSI really survived William Peterson going. No, you know it's it did. They did another four or five seasons, but I, I, people felt no, it wasn't the same. You know, and that, I think the it's not the same. You get yeah. a lot with television. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we do. We we forget sometimes, and maybe production teams forget that it's actually quite a comfort thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. people do tune into the show mm-hmm. they used to watch. Because they know what they're going yeah. to get. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, you've just got to look at the number of uh, sequel movies that are out there just now, mm. and series of books as well. You know, mm. you want to go and get the new Rebus because yes. you know who he is. You know, you've got you've invested kind of uh, all the time in reading twenty books or something like that. Mm. So you pick yeah. up the twenty-first book, and mm. there's a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be explained to you that you know you've no. you've got the kind of the knowledge of what's gone on before and i think yeah the same the same is there with with kind of tv and film you've got that familiarity of that is helps you enjoy it makes it easier that you're not going to who's he who's who's this guy who's that and if you're watching it for the first time we are you, creatures you'll, of you'll, habit yeah you'll pick it up but if you're watching it for the uh you know you're on series 20 or something like that you've got the that's probably why soaps are so popular, you know. Well, yes, I suppose so. Yes, it, 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 you know exactly what to get for that half hour. <clears throat> People look at that as their escapism. You yeah. Know? They, at least their <laughs> world's far worse yeah. than mine is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a friend, uh, somebody I used to know, and mm. she was a script writer for soaps. And mm-hmm. how, how can you write an episode of East? Oh, do get in touch. Wait, that's <laughs> that. You said, get her. We'll, uh, we'll talk I've to anybody. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, you know, she didn't watch the soaps. No, well, I've I've heard this before. A lot of people say that people who work in television yeah, never watch. But it. you know, she given. It's you know. one of the reasons why those programs about television on television are usually so bloody awful. <laughs> so yeah, she's going to give in the you know the remit. Here, here's the episode that you've mm. got to write. You know, mm. yeah. and here's the here's the way that the characters will behave. So you you don't mm. have to. You need to get them from point A to point yeah, B, basically. That's it. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's How you get job. them there is up to you, but as long as they've still got the same number of limbs yeah. at the end of it, and, and they've not they've not got a long lost brother who's suddenly appeared. 
or uh, a, a brother who looks completely different to the way he did the last time that he was here. Well, you know, that's yeah. the kind of... put a new head on, but don't worry yeah. about it. That's fine. That's fine. That's it. There's that, that advert that uh, Jason Jason Donovan is doing for the chocolate bars yeah. at the moment, right? And it plays beautifully on that. You know, doesn't matter if you don't remember me. You know, do you remember the <laughs> mullet? You know? <laughs> but you see, I think there's a, there's again. I mean, we. I mean, I know we're. We are sort of dealing with sort of nostalgia in our in our. I don't say it's a mission statement, yeah. but whatever whatever it is that brings us here every week, is uh, there is a nostalgia to it, and again, it's it's there's habit forming, and I think there's a lot of why we watch old television is because it takes us back to a place yeah. that you know that a warm place or a, a place where we remember. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a fond memory yeah. for most people, and most people enjoyed a show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you were telling me. That your friend would be was quite keen on us talking about something like Thunderbirds yeah. or, or the mm-hmm. ITC series generally, yeah. and I I very much remember things like um, New Avengers when I was yeah. small, but also Randall and Hopkirk to me was just an astonishing thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it was to do with the fact that I was a child and and the man appearing and disappearing seemed like magic <laughs> or walking through walls, yeah. you know. Or maybe it was just, oh, it's ghosts and it's a bit funny, yeah. you know. But whatever it was about that series, it really clicked with yeah. me, you know. I mean, I'm not I'm not mad keen on the remake. I mean, it, it has its moments, but it's... Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes when they, again, they, they sort of come back and look at these things again. We keep getting back to remakes. Yeah. Vision on remakes, I don't know. But anyway, the, um, the remake of Randall and Hopkirk just doesn't quite hit the same beats no. to me. And yeah, actually, when you when you watch it, you know, when you, a lot of ITC series are very, I hate to say samey, because they're not no. samey, but a lot of, I mean, they were using the same script writers. Yeah. And so it was, they were kind of, they had all the beans in the box and they were mixing them up a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So some of the same sorts of plots would turn yeah. up, you know, from time to time. But uh, actually, sort of, I, I love it. I, it. It turned up, Randall Hopkirk turned up in Africa, Evening television, you know, in that um, for a while in the nineties, I think BBC Two would suddenly show old television right. about six yeah. o'clock, and the old the Star Trek slot mm-hmm. as it as it became known, but things like Buffy. It's the only way they would put cult television yeah. on our screens, and it was around about it was all opposite the news, so they assumed no one would watch it yep. anyway. But Randall and Hopkirk, and I got so excited because I would finally be able to re- <laughs> record. Yeah, and I loved it. I still loved yeah. it. You know, it, that's the thing. But I, whether I love it because it took me back to little mm-hmm. me, thinking, yeah. you know, but it's 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 a great show yeah. actually. I mean, Mike Pratt, Kenneth Cope, and Annette Andre right. or Andre. I don't know. Did yeah. you watch no, Randall no, Hocker no. as, as a as a small person? No, don't remember. That. Maybe he didn't make it to Scotland. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's a long way. I mean, there might have been censorship about <laughs> ghosts and ghoulies. We might have been, we <laughs> can't be scaring the kiddies. We might have been watching Parahandi or something like that. Uh, it's probably the Church of Scotland didn't like it or something because it was ghosts, you know. <laughs> oh, you were off with your calamari. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Calamero. Sorry. Yeah, calama- Calamero. Yes. So do you, I mean... Did the, I mean, the ITC stuff must have yes. made it. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was a massive... Uh, Joe ninety fan. Joe ninety. See, oh, and any nice. any kid with glasses. Ding 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 yeah, ding ding. Any, any ding, kid ding. with glasses yeah. was called Joe ninety. Ah, 
because <laughs> you know back back in those days, I don't know if our eye tests weren't as rigorous or or anything like that or something like that. But a kid with glasses was called Joe Ninety. And glasses were huge. Yes. As well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, they were they were quite big on yeah. the puppet, but they, you know. I liked it, and I, I loved uh, Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet probably was my. Uh, did you? I, this is kind of a strange question, but did you think they were puppets? I mean, did you recognise them? Up? Yeah. If, if that doesn't seem such a weird question, but did you? Did you just get carried along by the plot yeah. and not actually care that? They yeah, were... I don't think I, I don't think that I cared they were they were puppets. I mean, you knew they weren't was, real. Yeah, people, it was. It, well, it was it was a real story, you know. To me, I mm. remember. I, you know, as a, a small child, I was taken into uh, to that great thing that they did in the sixties, which was to uh, to get your tonsils out. Ah, oh, yes. And and I missed the end of uh, Captain Scarlet. So mm. uh, you know, the the next day when my parents came to see me, my first question was, "What happened mm. at the end of Captain Scarlet?" I really cared. I really <laughs> cared <laughs> that <laughs> much about it, and you know, bum 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 bum. This is the only way I can get round the uh, the copyright <laughs> stuff. Sing part. the tunes. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a unique <laughs> performance. We'll be bringing out an album at Christmas. <laughs> Sandy and Martin <laughs> sing the theme tunes. <laughs> With Dennis Waterman. But, but uh, there, there was obviously some element of doubt in my mind that Captain Scarlet was perhaps not... Not as indestructible. Not, not, not going to win, you know. Yeah. One week. But no, it was, it was like yeah. a, uh, well, that Captain Black, you know, he was, he was, a, yeah. he, he was a tricky beast. Yeah, he was, yeah. Know? Can you remember the, the warnings, you know, Captain Scarlet is indestructible, you yeah. are not, do not try to imitate him. <laughs> I love the way they've got this kind of stuff on the TV now, you, you Catch the start of the uh, the W W E whatever it's called these days, and it was don't try this at home at school or, or like on the way from home to school or on you know it was this whole list of places or, 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 not to do it. When I, it was like yeah, or down by that dark and lonely water where that hooded yeah. figure is there to terrify the crap out. Yeah, it was simple enough when you're a show. Don't try this at home. That was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's interesting. Uh, because another thing I've been sort of thinking about was Six Million Dollar Man and how everybody was jumping off roofs and <laughs> the Daily Mail would be outraged that the, the children would be imitating something and that, therefore you should ban these... <laughs> pro- yeah, the thing that gets me all the time is this call that whenever anything happens at all, immediately someone screams the word ban. You know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, the, the, crazy. The other thing that you know we've almost not touched on at all, uh, which is an hmm. absolute staple... Of TV when we were growing mm. up is the westerns. Oh well, yes. I was hoping to interview somebody about that at some point. Yeah, um, they're on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the it was wall to wall, wasn't yeah. it? The western in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I say, my sister was a big fan. Yeah. Um, she liked the Virginian. Yeah, that that was always that was always the, the quality one. Mm, she liked the Virginian. Uh, well, Lee J. Cobb, mm. you know. Uh, James Drury, uh, Doug, <laughs> Troy McClure, no, Doug, 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 yeah. <laughs> Doug, Doug McClure. <laughs> but uh, I think really she liked the horses. Yeah. I, I genuinely think mm-hmm. that was the reason. But because uh, there was, uh, what was the uh, wagon? No, did we uh, did we get wagon? I think tra- so, yeah. No wagon trains. Yeah. But um, Rawhide, mm-hmm. Bonanza, I think was yeah. the one that, mm-hmm. that and uh, High Chaparral yeah. were the, the other ones. Men, men from Shiloh. They were quite and men from. Well, that was a spin-off, yeah. wasn't it? It was a spin-off from Virginia, yes. but um, but yeah, there was a lot of cowboys, and then suddenly they all 
they got they got replaced by the TV cops, didn't yeah. they? I think there's, someone decided that they were they were old hats, mm. as it were, old ten gallon yeah. hat, I suppose. And um, and then suddenly they were all they were trying to look for the latest quirk for a detective <laughs> to have. So there's the one in the wheelchair. There's the blind one. There's the there's the shabby yeah, one. There's the bold the, one. Yeah. But yeah, the cowboys. Oh, I mean, actually, <laughs> yeah. in, incredibly phenomenally successful the cowboy series yeah. i mean all of them seem to have ridiculous amount of episodes yeah. you know and of course sort of connected with that because there was a i suspect there was a whole nostalgia for a lost world yeah going on mm-hmm. in the in the american late 60s i don't know yeah. i mean because that era would have been at the time of vietnam and all that kind yeah. of thing but uh it sort of led to things like the Waltons, didn't it? And um, Little House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. You know? I got a bit addicted to Little House on the Prairie for no very good reason at all. No. It used to, I think they started showing it on Sunday mornings in the 80s yeah. or 90s. And I really got... Well, I also got quite carried up. Because it's not really my sort of telly. Yeah. But the Waltons, I just... I got drawn in, yeah. you know? Well, there's that nostalgia for the pioneer yeah. life, I think. And then, of course, good old... Clint comes along every so often and just blows <laughs> holes right through it. You know? <laughs> but of course, Clint started off in a yep. western. Which which one was he in again? Just uh, uh, Rawhide. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he, he, it's kind of weird. I think when they made the spaghetti westerns, they wanted a, a, a television actor who was known for being, and there he was, and and <laughs> a career mm. was made. You know. Yeah, I've just been, I've been going through some of these uh, spaghetti westerns mm. recently. Mm-hmm. There's been a. A series on Sky about uh, directors. Is this because you watched Westworld? No, no, that, no. This, no, yeah, no. This you. came from uh, watching a director series on uh, on mm. Sky Arts, and it was mm. uh, Sergio Leone. Okay. And I've, I've got you know big memories of watching uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. So. Oh yes. I've kind of uh, splashed out my uh, my two quid for an old DVD copy of uh, Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America, which is which, which is, is a, kind of which companion. is of course ca- gangsters, but a classic, absolute classic. Right? Yes. So, but then again, the I mean, my, my I think my favourite western of all time is The Good, The Bad, and The yeah. Ugly. So, mm-hmm. you know, I quite like the few dollars more and a fistful yeah. and all that, and you know, very fond of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. You know, and that's been remade as television series a couple of mm-hmm. times. But uh, the only thing about the Magnificent Seven films, I, I think, is that you get various various shapes of Chris. Right. <laughs> I don't know. In the first two, it's Yul Brynner. Yeah. And, he, of course, he plays on that in Westworld, bringing us yeah. back to that, of course. But um, the third one, it's um, George Kennedy. Right, okay. And he doesn't shave his head. Yeah. And he wears, he wears the kind of, kind of uh, cowboy outfit that even... Marty McFly might have <laughs> thought twice about, you know. It's very, it's very sort of beige yeah. and mm-hmm. tassels. Yeah. You know. And then in the fourth one, it's uh, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. Who becomes all evuncular and balding, massive moustache pipe. Right. <laughs> so, so Chris <laughs> is not the same no. Chris. All, all <laughs> even the four films they made. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Right. Yeah, I do, I do have... But Westworld, Westworld brought you back to... Uh, you, because you say you, you saw the original. Did you see Future World? Yes, I think I saw that when it when it was out. Yeah, so we're mm. back in the uh, the Strand cinema. And the, uh, so the uh, the TV series is more 
is more like the first film than the second film. Yeah, it's just oh, it's all artificial intelligence stuff. The Westworld, right? And okay. you know what's what's real, what's what's AI, uh, and there's some kind of bizarre. Well, there have been some great, great modern westerns. I mean, I know that's saying that's using western tropes, but um, uh, Deadwood. Yep, I've, you, no, you, I've never seen, seen Deadwood. Deadwood. No, I'm certainly aware never of it. Yeah. And uh, Carnivale. Oh, I, I, I thought Carnivale. Carnivale was fantastic. Mm. Uh, Again, snuffed out before its time. Yeah, Carnivale. it was. Yeah, it just it, it really felt different in a kind of mm. in a good good way. Yes, that it wasn't just the kind of the normal. Well, again, it's, I suppose it's a bit late for quote the Western yeah. because it's the, it's the Depression, isn't it? it? But it has the same kind of feel yeah. to it. Mm. You know, it's that that sort of frontier, that sort of people, yeah, outsiders, outlaws, yeah. whatever you want to, you know, people out mm-hmm. living a life outside the law, and it does have a, the same kind of feel to it. Very yeah. And of course, there are horses and weapons. Yeah. And things. Do you have a favourite western? Favourite western? Ooh, I think of, I think it's. In in films, it's once upon a time in the West. I think it just mm. just the kind of the uh, yes, well, uh, Henry Fonda yes. turning out to be a wrong gun. Is good. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and yeah, so we're talking about telly, really. So I don't yeah, matter. it's all right. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lovely uh, story that came up in the uh, the documentary about Sergio Leone that uh, Henry Fonda turned up with contact lenses right. because he didn't think it would be right if there was a lovely blue eyes. <laughs> And Sergio Leone, yeah, well, no, <laughs> that's what I want. You know, one of the things he wanted. Yes, that's why I cast yeah. you. Again, um, Paul Newman. Yeah. Another another cowboy with glaring yeah. blue eyes. As opposed to Clint, who you couldn't see the eyes at all. <laughs> <laughs> we believe he has some in there squinting yeah. somewhere. But yeah. And did you? And so what uh, TV on TV did you watch? Uh, uh, what westerns on, on TV? TV I think I was a Virginian man. But my parents, my parents went big. My parents went big in westerns, and obviously, kind of a, at a young mm. age, uh, yeah. you weren't necessarily given control of the. Uh, no, it wasn't even the remote in those days. You weren't allowed to go up and change channels on it. No, no. Sit down, yeah. Sandy. <laughs> it's kind of weird though, because the Virginian, I uh, they, they did repeat a few uh, a few years ago, and I'd forgotten it, they were always pretty much feature length. I thought it was a weekly fifty-minute, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like all the other. But they, they're all quite long, all right. you know. They're all, all well, the ones I saw, anyway. Yeah. Maybe they edited two together or something. But uh, I was quite surprised. And of course, Sir James Drury, I, I think it's, it's quite recently uh, left left us. But uh, it was it was quite a surprise to find he was he was as lo- he was still around <laughs> as long as he was. If you yeah. I don't know if he did anything no. else. I genuinely you know he's one of those actors who had this massive. Hit, yeah, and then yeah, maybe just retired. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. Yeah. So, what about you? Your favourite western? You reckon? Well, again, I I I sort of come to them. For, I I like Bonanza. Yeah. I did enjoy Bonanza. Uh, it was one of those ones again through the repeats mostly, but uh, in in the same way that I would watch the Virginian because I remember watching it with my sister yeah. uh, when we were younger. But uh, but I think Bonanza was one of those ones that yeah yeah the music was great yeah and. And and there is something about there's a slight kind of odd artifice about the TV western of that era, mm. like the big big valley as well, wasn't it? Was is it the big country, yeah. big valley, big country? I can't remember which. But um, the the wooden houses and everything they're all they're all terribly terribly 1960s. <laughs> you know, the actual it it took 
someone like Clint to come along and say, no, it wasn't all very cozy at yeah. all, you know. And it was actually quite a hard life. I mean, I, a few years ago, uh, we went to uh, Bodhi, right. which is one of the ghost towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a silver mining town in the high Sierras, uh, and it sort of survived at 8,000 feet, and, mm-hmm. and we went went there just, yeah. And it's one of the, there are still the, there's most of the town is there. It's a national yeah. monument, whatever now. But yeah, you actually see these places and you think, yeah, it's not, it's not really, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's really not like, uh, the Bonanza Ranch at no. all, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was, it must have been a very, very hard life, you know? Yeah. I mean, they don't, I mean, you, that's, I mean, if you survived the, the boat journey over there and then you mm. got your claim and, and you kind of understand, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a bit wobbly over gun law in America. Yeah. You know, you, you, like a lot of people, I don't see why everybody feels the need to have one. No. But you can understand why those things were put into place yeah. in that era. Mm-hmm. Because it must have been terrifying when, you know, the, the, the guy with the all the guns turns up and says, well, I want your land. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you, you needed a way to sort of protect yeah. you. I don't think necessarily modern America needs it in quite the same way. No. But, but, you know, because you've got that, that's why people... Mm want to still have that. Yeah. You know? But then again, sometimes you have to, di- <laughs> sometimes you feel you have to point out that the word amendment means that <laughs> things can change. Yeah. Uh, so I think we'll leave it there for today, Sandy. Um, nice to speak to you indeed, again. Martin. Good to speak to you, sir. And we'll do this again okay. soon. Cheers, Take then. care. Bye. As ever, thanks to Sandy for (laughs) agreeing to talk to me again this week. Thanks to everybody at Fab Radio International for everything they do. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Have a good week. Take care. And goodbye. You have been listening to Vision on Sound on Fab Radio International. You can contact the programme via email on vos at fabradiointernational.com or you can follow us on Twitter at VisionOnSound1, or there is a blog at visiononsound.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.